the Denver Center for Performing Arts has announced the lifting of vaccine requirements for attendance. Ball Arena for the Nuggets and Avs games is doing the same. City governments are rescinding mask directives for indoor restaurants and venues. These collective actions can give the impression that the COVID-19 pandemic is over or is totally under control. Yet, nearly 2,000 persons a day nationally continue to die from COVID-19, not to mention the long-term health effects to organs and the brain. Confused regarding what to do to keep yourself safe? Yep, and you are not alone. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. While many are breathing a COVID-19 sigh of relief, many others are saying, maybe not so fast. Thinking collectively, the unstated health message seems to be, we are on our own. Helping us figure out the choices to make on this edition, we touch base with the professor of immunology and microbiology at the University of Colorado and Schultz Medical Campus, Dr. Ross Kettle. Opinions vary. So uh, in almost everything I'm going to tell you, um, I could begin every sentence with opinions vary. Um, because within the scientific world, there's, there's a couple of different reasonably legitimate points of view on where this is going. There's a subset of people who say, yeah, okay, we're getting a brief respite, but buckle up because who knows what's coming next. Um, SARS-CoV-2, and, and there's some terminology here that I think it might be useful to update probably okay, as good. we go on. Yeah, sure. So COVID, COVID-19 is actually the disease caused by the virus, and the virus is called SARS-CoV-2. And it, it may be, I think the idea that COVID-19 is in significant retreat is probably a good way of phrasing it, which is to say that that for the vast majority of people, the serious consequences of infection is, has been extremely minimized. For those who have been vaccinated, and particularly for those who have been vaccinated and boosted, the, the risk to anybody under the age of 75, the risk, and without you know, other, other, um, other risk factors, yeah. the, risk, the, the risk of serious consequences of infection from SARS-CoV-2 wouldn't fall into the category of what I would I would necessarily call COVID-19, which when, you know, when, it, when the term was generated, it, it meant the severe disease caused by, you know, the significant disease burden caused by the virus infection. Yeah. And most people who are, are, are now in a, in a state of immunity such that the, the encountering the virus now is just, you know, it's not, uh, there, there are no really severe consequences to the point where, you know, you take a greater risk getting in your car every day than you do um, with any severe consequences to infection. So um, I do think it's fair to say that, the, that for the vast majority of people, the risk of, of severe disease is in significant retreat. Um, the risk to infection is not necessarily. I mean, certainly the more vaccinated immune you are, the less likely you are to get infected. But in, the kind of immunity that keeps you from ever getting infected wanes over time. And so your risk to infection goes up. But there's, a, there's an immune memory you have that many studies have shown. That memory kicks in very quickly and helps protect you from severe disease. And so uh, the, the, a substantial amount of the population has both of that frontline block the infection immunity along with that sort of back of the line um, get immune really, really quickly. And let, that, let, that let will me, continue to help prevent disease. Let me, let me stop you right there real quick because you're saying mm-hmm. that uh, the mind remembers, you know, what it has encountered and has mm-hmm. manufactured antibodies against it. So even if the benefit mm-hmm. from the shots wears down, should you get infected, the right. mind says, oh, that one. And then it regenerates again. It regenerates the antibodies again. 
um, the factories that make the antibodies eventually over time begin winding down. Okay. But the plans for those antibodies, they don't get lost. There we go. And, and the, right. And so the plans are always there and the, and the factory is resourced sufficiently that it can kick back into gear and start cranking them out within days, hours, actually, depending on which type of cell you're talking about. How about uh, effects to um, long-term effects to heart, organs, kidneys, brain, you know, the brain, that kind of thing that we're still maybe discovering may not be beneficial at all. You, you may contract sure. COVID, but you have mm-hmm. these other things you may have to deal with later. Yeah, and that a lot of that is, is um, being studied specifically in those who had really more significant, you know, significant or mild COVID in the complete absence of any immunity that had not been vaccinated. Um, the data so far supports um, the conclusion that for those with breakthrough infections, the frequency of, of long COVID symptoms or really significant long-term effects of having been infected, those are really, really minimized. So having, having been vaccinated ahead of time, even if you get an infection, um, and it's, I will say that to some extent, to a significant degree, it's, it's a bit, it's, it's inevitable. Omicron is coming for you, um, like it or not. <laughs> and you could do everything you can, you want to resist oh, it, but boy, over time. I see a sign on a corner, Omicron is coming right. for you. Right. This is, this is the age of Omicron. And, and it's a little hard to imagine that, um, it's not impossible to imagine, but but it's hard. The, the next variant that will take over, that's going to be it's a, Omicron's a hard act to beat. Yeah. Um, and so the next one to take over will have to be really of significantly greater transmissibility. BA2 is a variant that is now sort of a bit on the rise, yeah. but it's a it's a curious one in that as cases continue to go down, that particular variant is beginning to take over and, and, and occupy an increasing frequency of the cases that do exist. But it's not driving another surge as of yet. Um, there's some debate as to whether that's about to happen in the UK and Finland, and there's a continued debate as to whether that will ever happen here. I, I think that's unlikely, and a lot of people would say that it's unlikely to have a surge of illnesses that would be problematic. We may have, we will have case counts that rise and fall. That's just going to be the nature of our future going forward, which is why I say, the era of SARS-CoV-2 is not over. We will have this with us. It will continue to be an issue in the background. Over time, hopefully it will continue. It will likely continue to become more transmissible as new variants come out. And, and over long periods of time, viruses tend to get less virulent. That helps them transmit better. There's no guarantee that that will happen, but they tend to do that. And so hopefully that will be the case over time. But yeah. we will always be, be, be managing SARS-CoV-2 Hopefully, we will not have to manage COVID-19 or COVID-whatever, the disease associated with it, whatever year you want to tag to it. Uh, in the future, hopefully, that the, the era in which that is a large-scale, enormous problem across society in which we have no control at all, uh, I think most of us, most people think that that era is likely over. So we have so many countries like in sub-Saharan Africa who may not have been mm-hmm. uh, highly vaccinated and that kind of thing that Americans may be traveling to or some of them may mm-hmm. be coming here. So we have little risk of that getting back into the population again and maybe reinfecting people who said they were vaxxed but are not or the mm-hmm. anti-vax people again. Yeah. So our, our, our risk of that now is being minimized. Sub-Saharan Africa is kind of a curious place. It's a very low vaccine rate, but there's about 80 to 85% um, what's called seropositivity or people who have antibodies against SARS-CoV-2. So there's been an enormous infection levels in those countries. And so actual immunity is actually very, very high, Mm -hmm. even if vaccination is not. And so, um, and curiously, through most of Africa, 
the lethal consequences of SARS-CoV-2 have been considerably less than they have been in America. And so there have been a variety of Really? Of ideas as to why the, it's been the the mortality to SARS-CoV-2 has been substantially lower in sub-Saharan Africa. Typically, it's the other way around, often in developing countries, and that's not been the case this time around. Um, de- the debate rages as to why exactly that is, but but the lethal, more lethal consequences have been more in the developed, particularly in, in the U.S. So the the likelihood of somebody, you know, the the um, someone coming from another location. And bringing a new variant, it's a global world, and so that's you know likely to happen to one degree or not. Uh, regardless, you know, Omicron didn't start in the U.S., but it right. swept over the world pretty quickly. So that that of course, when a new variant comes out, that's going to be more transmissible. That's likely to spread no matter no matter what we do about it. The the risk to the I'm glad you bring up the unvaccinated. The risk to the unvaccinated continue yeah. to be high. If you are not vaccinated and have no immunity, um, Omicron is not substantially less um, dangerous to you. Compared to, to previous versions, it's really, right. it, it's it's to some degree, uh, maybe a little bit has the potential to be less dangerous to someone unvaccinated. But broadly speaking, because it's so contagious, um, the unvaccinated, this is, it, it, again, it, it, is a, it will hunt you down. Mm-hmm. So um, the risks to the unvaccinated continue to be very high. The risks associated with the vaccine are, are remarkably low. And so um, I, we all continue to emphasize the critical importance of going out and getting vaccinated for the sake of not only protecting yourself, but also the people around you so that you don't become a source of virus that can spread to other people. At the same time, you have those that say, well, you know, I've contracted it. I I have this natural immunity, but doesn't the degree of natural immunity vary with person? And uh, does natural immunity, you know, can it wane for a while as well and needs to be uh, reestablished again? Yeah, so all immunity does, like I said, all the kind of immunity that protects you against uh, an infection of any kind, that immunity starts to drop. The data is consistent with the idea that, um, with the conclusion that people who had prior exposure to the virus tend to have that kind of, the, the plans for the immunity are still really well intact, and by and large, they are, are as protected um, against a reinfection or get against severe consequences of, of another infection as people who are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. The, the, the problem with banking on um, prior exposure to the virus alone is that is exactly as you said, it's very, really variable. Some people, after having had an infection, yeah. we can barely find antibodies in them. And other people, their antibody levels are screaming. Um, but whereas the vaccine gives a much more steady, predictable, dependable level of antibody after one shot, two shot, three shots, that's just a more that's a more standard and um, dependable level of immunity that comes out of that. Whereas the infection itself, um, it, who knows which one you're going to get? If you have a mixture of the two, that tends to to balance things out and and really elevate your immunity. If you've been vaccinated and then had a breakthrough or the other way around, um, that combination tends to be very robust in, in generating a lot of very strong and long lasting immunity. So there is no test or anything a person could take after they contracted and they were unvaccinated, that can tell them what degree of natural immunity they may have? Yeah, there are. There's There are a variety of tests that you can sign up for at, at your doctor's office. They will give you an idea as to how much antibody you have. We're getting better at understanding what level of antibodies we're shooting for. Part of the problem has been we don't know what's the level above which we think you need to be. For things like tetanus or diphtheria or something, mm-hmm. we have a certain amount of antibody. We know, okay, if you have this amount, we know it's protective. 
And that, that level hasn't been set, established firmly for antibodies against SARS-CoV-2. Like, which, what's your degree of, of an antibody you need to have to be, you know, protected against infection? Uh, partly because a lot of it has to do with how neutralizing the antibody is. So it isn't just how much antibody you have. It's how much, how well that antibody blocks the virus from becoming, it, from infecting your cells at all. Some mm-hmm. antibodies just stick to the virus and don't stop it from infecting, and other antibodies stick to the virus and block its capacity to infect. But there is so, a test um, that they can take, though, to determine that. Correct. Okay. Yep, there are a couple different tests you can take. Um, there's a few that are coming out now that uh, try and assess that second question. How neutralizing is your antibody? And it's a more rapid test. It doesn't take a whole bunch of time. We're still not totally clear in exactly what level of neutralization you should be shooting for in order to feel like you're probably fully protected. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, uh, I think those numbers are coming into focus, and my guess is in the next 6 to 12 months we'll have that have that. A good beat on that. Yeah, we have a number of Americans that walk around and like to say, well, I'm vaccinated or I've had the virus and they haven't had either one. And Mm -hmm. the question becomes, uh, we don't know who they are. So if we have any personal concern about maybe if they they become an asymptomatic carrier, how do we protect ourselves against them? Do we continue to wear masks? Do we continue to distance ourselves for another bunch of months just to make sure, just to be careful? So a lot of that is really going to be up to an individual. The, the data are most are consistent with if you are someone under the age of 70, you've been vaccinated and boosted, and you don't have like any significant comorbidities. The beauty of that is that those individuals who are walking around and might be carriers and are not being truthful about, truthful about their state of immunity, yeah. they don't really pose any serious risk to you. Like I said, you actually have more risks uh, from other cars on the highway than you do to that unvaccinated individual, statistically speaking. Okay. Um, it, it doesn't mean you don't risk getting an infection. You just, your risks for serious consequences are really, really low. Right. So for the vast majority of us, that individual, that what, what the pandemic has and all the tools we have generated thus far have brought us is the capacity to, regardless of what other people are deciding to do, to, to, provide some very strong protection for ourselves individually, even if other people aren't making those same decisions. On this edition, our focus is sorting through the mask, no mask, shots or no shots, testing or no testing, COVID-19 health confusion. Dr. Ross Kettle, professor of immunology and microbiology at the University of Colorado Anschultz Medical Center, is our expert on this edition. We'll continue to figure out the safe approaches to take with them on our next. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get vaccinated for yourself and your family's health. Mask up if necessary and keep your distance when going out. And we do appreciate you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.